following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. Good evening, guys. Let's open up in prayer. Father, Lord, I'm so humbled to to come before you this evening and and share your word. Lord, I don't know what each heart in here tonight needs to hear, but you do. And Lord, I just pray that, Holy Spirit, you would speak to each individual in here this evening, Lord, that you would make yourself known. Father, that your word would would cut us to the heart. And Father, that we would we would in that moment make the choice to repent. Father, and and to ask for forgiveness. And Lord, that we would just desire to, to follow you more closely. Lord, that we would desire to sit at your feet. And Father, that we would we would come to a greater understanding of, of what you've done for us on the cross. And Lord, in this in this moment that we would we would be able to then greater celebrate your resurrection. And Father, I just pray a blessing over over the word this evening and the and the song and the worship and Lord everything that you're doing here. And it's in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Good evening. So um, I'm really excited to uh, to be up here in front of you guys this evening. Um, it's a it's a privilege and and an honor, and ultimately it's a it's a blessing. It's a blessing for me that I get to share with you guys. Um, I was <laughs> I was talking to Diana's brother earlier today, uh, her brother Carl, and um, you know we were talking about the message tonight. And one of the first things he said is he goes, "You must be nervous." <laughs> And the and the truth is, I I am I I am nervous. Um, I don't think anybody comes up and and shares the word of God without some sort of trepidation. Um, if if we came up here in a in a lighthearted mode, then um, then you know where where's the praise in that? Where's the worship in that? And so you know it, I'm I'm up here you know fear and trembling. So one thing I explained to him as we were as we were talking is that for me personally when when I read scripture or I read a passage and and the Holy Spirit reveals something to me something that that I never knew or maybe I never thought of he just you, you know how it's like connect the dots right there's all these dots that we read in scripture and when when some dots get connected you're just whoa you're amazed and and for me I just want to share it, right? Whoever's around, it doesn't matter who's around, where I'm at, I just want to share what the Lord's revealed to me. And, and ultimately, I think that's the way the Lord has gifted me personally. I mean, that's, that's why I teach. I, I teach high school, Countryside High School up North County, and I teach computer science and math, uh, specifically um, calculus. And so I deal a lot with different types of technology, computers, and one of the things I love most is how we can use technology and math to solve problems. I, I like to teach students methods and different ways on how to solve problems. And 
technology has solved a lot of very important problems for us. A lot of issues has came to aid. And for instance, just recently, we were able to, to sit in our homes and have church and listen to a message while we were on COVID lockdown, right? And I'm very thankful for that, that we were able to, to be able to do this. Um, Billy Graham gave a TED Talk back in 1998 called on technology and faith. This talk was given during a summit on the future of technology in which he was asked to bring some religious insight. In turn, he asked the technological leaders and experts of the time at the summit to consider using their knowledge, resources, and expertise to help solve three of the world's greatest problems. These are the problems of evil, suffering, and death. But these problems aren't new to us. King David spoke about these problems in Psalm 23. He said, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In the oldest book of the Bible, Job was under severe suffering at the hand of Satan himself. And at the end of chapter 1, he says, The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. After taking some time to examine the scope of these three fundamental problems, Billy Graham concluded that no amount of technology could solve them. And here we are, 23 years later. Has technology solved these problems? No, I, we, we can all agree they haven't. But there's already a solution. The creator and designer of this world has provided it in the person of Jesus Christ. In fact, the solution was present before the problems existed. In the Gospel of John, we'll read more later, it says that Jesus was with God in the beginning. So here's the truth. The truth is that Jesus had to suffer for the sins of us all and give his life on the cross so that we could be reconciled to the Father. And this is what we're going to talk about tonight. So if, if you don't have your Bibles, go ahead and open up your Bibles. Um, there's, uh, there's some in the seats in front of you. We're going to start on Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, starting in verse 44. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour while the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for the spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home, beating their breasts, and all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. 
Listening to the account of our Lord's last breath is sobering. He took our punishment and the afflictions of us all were upon him. And as, as Pastor Colin asked earlier, why can we call what happened on this night almost 2,000 years ago good? Well, like we said, we, we know Sunday is coming and the stone will be rolled away. The empty tomb declares Jesus' victory over death. And he is the first fruits of all who will rise again. We will be with him again in the clouds. Amen. But before we celebrate his resurrection, let's take time to remember what he accomplished on the cross. To get a better picture of these precious moments, we're going to read two other gospel accounts. We're going to start, um, second one is Matthew chapter 27, starting in verse 50. says, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. So here we witness some other events that occurred on that day. And to, to get the final piece of what we're going to read through tonight, let's go to Mark chapter 15, starting in verse 37. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the <clears throat> excuse me, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, "Truly, this man was the Son of God." So some of the significant events that occurred in these three accounts were the curtain of the temple being torn in two, the sun failing from noon until three in the afternoon, an earthquake, some of the dead had rose from the grave, and the centurion, after noticing how these things were connected to the way Jesus breathed his last, recognized that he was the Son of God. Now, we don't have time this evening to consider all these events and their significance, but I do want to consider one event in detail, and that is the tearing of the curtain. So this... This event has taken on a deeper meaning for me this year as I, as I process through a lot of these passages ahead of time, and I want to share what the Holy Spirit revealed to me. So this event was included in um, three of the gospel accounts, the three that we read, and therefore it must have significance. And I'm sure that its true significance is, is far beyond what we can fully understand at this time. However, let's endeavor to examine the use and purpose of the curtain, or it'll be called the veil from scripture, and gain some insight into why it was recorded in these passages. To do this, we're going to have to pull from both the Old Testament and New Testament scripture. So let's start with a passage that will help us to open up some of the hidden meaning. So if you'll turn to Hebrews chapter 10, 
We're going to read from verses 19 to 22. should also be on the screen. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The depth of this passage is incredible. The author of Hebrews, guided by the Holy Spirit, has really helped us out here. As we focus on the tearing of the curtain, we read that the curtain is actually Jesus' body or his flesh. How is this? We also see that a a new and living way has been opened through the curtain, and we have a high priest which in all allows us to draw near to God. So as I've studied for this message, three fundamental issues, like the three that Billy Graham mentioned, have stood out to me as pertinent to our understanding. These issues are sin, sacrifice, and separation. So sin represents evil, sacrifice represents suffering, right? Something had to die in order to be sacrificed. And then separation from God represents ultimate death. In order to to better grasp this verse, what this verse is saying, and gain insight into the tearing of the curtain, uh, we're going to need to examine scripture in light of these three issues sin, sacrifice, and separation. So we're going we're gonna to go all the way back, Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 6. When, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Well, here we witness sin. As soon as their eyes were opened to sin or from sin, they realized that they were missing something. Right? What were they missing? Clothes. Right? So, what's God do? Let's go on to verse 20. Genesis 3.20. The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. So now we witness sacrifice. In order to get the garments of skin, what had to happen? An animal had to be killed and sacrificed. Who, who did this sacrifice? God. God clothed them. You guys believe that? He clothed them. So let's go on to verse 22 and see what the result is. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, 
the Lord God sent him out from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the garden he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. And here we witness separation. Man was sent out from the garden. Pastor Colin pointed out to me that the Hebrew, use, Hebrew word used for sent here in verse 23, he was sent out of the garden, is the same uh, Greek word, the same root that was, that's used in John 3.16. It says, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. In 1 Corinthians 15, chapter 15, verse 22, Paul states that, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive. So guys, the the effects of sin are real. Something had to be sacrificed because of the sin. And it also resulted in separation from God. We know that God is holy and he's completely separate from sin. So where there's sin... There's, there's not holiness. So there was both physical death <clears throat> as Adam and Eve's days were numbered. And then there was, <clears throat> excuse me, spiritual death as they were separated from God. <clears throat> and all their descendants are likewise born spiritually dead. That means you and I, we were born separated from God. <clears throat> but here it is, guys. But God... But God, who is great and mighty, he had the solution before there was ever a problem. The Gospel of John opens like this in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. All right, so what does this have to do with the tearing of the curtain? In order to, to see where this is going, let's, let's jump ahead. We're going to go to uh, Exodus chapter 26. In these verses, we're going to read about the construction blueprints for the tabernacle um, given to God by Moses, just a, just a portion of them. So starting in verse 31. It says, and, and you shall make a veil. This is the curtain of blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twine linen. It shall be made with cherubim skillfully worked into it. And you shall hang it on four pillars of acacia overlaid with gold, with hooks of gold on four bases of silver. And you shall hang the veil from the clasp and bring the ark of the testimony there within the veil. And the veil shall separate for you the holy place from the most holy place. So here we get a description about the design of the curtain or veil. The fabric that was used for its construction was elegant. It was the work of a master craftsman. Obviously, these skills were given to the men by God himself. The colors used in making the curtain represent God's creation and the firmament between man and God, the heavens and the earth, and the cherubim represent the place of God's residence amongst man. Remember, they're, they're guarding the way to the garden. The curtain was beautiful in design and construction, just as God had designed the universe and everything in it, beautiful from creation. 
The curtain also served the purpose of separating the holy place from the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant was set. The Lord God dwelt in the most holy place of the tabernacle, and this required that a curtain be placed at its entrance so that nobody could see in. We see that the curtain separates God from man, and this is necessary because of the sinful state of man. We can't enter in behind the curtain in, our, in the sinful state. We read more about the role of the curtain in Leviticus 4, where the Lord gave Moses instructions on what to do if anyone had sinned unintentionally. Leviticus 4, verses 5 and 6 read, And the anointed priest shall take some of the blood of the bull and bring it into the tent of meeting. And the priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle part of the blood seven times before the Lord in front of the veil of the sanctuary. So here we go again, right? We, we, we see sin and sacrifice. We see that, that there was sin. Somebody had sinned unintentionally and the priest had to offer the sacrifice, right? The, the sacrifice was required. But here we read that the sacrifice is made by a priest. We didn't read anything about a priest in Genesis, did we? I'll let you guys think about that one. The blood from the sacrifice was sprinkled before the Lord in front of the curtain. Surely some of the blood would have splattered and stained the curtain. So this is the image that the Holy Spirit used to provoke me to write this message. The curtain, a beautifully crafted work of art that represented all that the Lord had made, that was used to separate God from man, was stained by the blood of the sacrifice. Do you guys see it? Close your eyes for a second. Let's picture the curtain, this masterfully woven tapestry, approximately 30 feet wide by 30 feet high, made from purple, blue, scarlet thread, depicting God's creation, stained by blood. Do you guys see the stain, the, the sin that stained God's creation? You can open your eyes. We may think that in our, in our modern context that blood is dirty. But the blood sprinkled by the priest was actually used to cleanse Israel from their sin. We read more about this in the Leviticus 16 where the Lord gave Moses instructions about the Day of Atonement. This is the one day out of the year that Aaron, the high priest, was permitted to enter through the curtain. So starting in verse, verse 15, Leviticus 16, we read, Then he, speaking of Aaron, shall kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people and bring its blood inside the veil and do with its blood as he did with the blood of the bull, sprinkling it over the mercy seat and in front of the mercy seat. Thus he shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the people of Israel and because of their transgressions, all their sins. And he shall do for the tent of meeting which dwells within them in the midst of their uncleanness. So only the high priest is allowed to enter through the curtain to make atonement for the sins of Israel by presenting the blood of the sin offering. 
the curtain separated that which is clean from that which is unclean. So I think everyone at this point can begin to see the relationship between sin, sacrifice, and separation, along with why um, the curtain is involved in this, the veil. So let's take a minute and look at the role of the priest. The priest made the sacrifice, took the blood into the most holy place, and made atonement for the sins of Israel. I read in a commentary that the changing of the covenantal relationship with God required a changing of the priestly line. This happened when Moses was given the Ten Commandments. The Lord established a relationship with Israel by making a dwelling place among them in the tabernacle. Aaron and his descendants, the, the Levites, were established by the Lord as the priestly line. So this brings us back to Hebrews. Let's read in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So here we read that Jesus has become a high priest of the order of Melchizedek, of the tribe of Judah, on our behalf. So this is, um, this is some really deep stuff. As I, as I tried to study into this, it was like a rabbit hole. So we're, we're not going to go in that direction. But if the high priestly line has changed, then that means the covenantal relationship with God has changed as well. We read that the priest was the one to make the sacrifice, take the blood, and enter through the curtain that separates us from God and to make atonement for the sins of people, of his people. So how does this apply to Jesus? Let's read further in Hebrews 9, starting in verse 11. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Here it is. Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeemed them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. So as we read at the beginning of our time together in the three gospel accounts, when Jesus breathed his last, the physical curtain of the temple was, was torn in two from top to bottom. 
This means that God is no longer hidden away in a Jewish temple. He's available to all who would believe in him, regardless of race, gender, social status, ethnicity, physical impairment, and the list goes on. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus offered himself in our place as the perfect sacrifice, the unblemished lamb, and he entered once for all into the most holy place as the high priest, atoned for the sins of everyone, and mediated a new covenant. So in in this new covenant, where is the curtain that separates man from God? The Apostle Paul states in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 3, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, with ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let the light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Again, in the face of Jesus. The gospel is veiled to those who are perishing because of unbelief. They're blinded by Satan who keeps them from seeing the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In this new covenant, there is only one way to the Father who resides in the most holy place, and that is through his Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus said of himself in John 14, I am the way and the truth and the life. Catch this. No one comes to the Father except through me. Do you guys see that? Jesus' body has become the curtain. To go through the curtain to the Father is to believe in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. A couple weeks ago, Rob told us in his message that being fully God and fully man, Jesus' deity, that is his omniscience, his omnipotence, his omnipresence, and so on, was veiled by his body. God took on flesh and walked among us. And what did we do? So with all this in mind, let's go back to that passage from Hebrews 10 and let's read it again with this fresh understanding. Therefore, brothers, starting in verse 19, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. 
So we have to ask this question. Do you have confidence this evening to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus? The new and living way has been made open to you through his flesh. You have Jesus as your great high priest. So draw near to God with a true heart and full assurance of faith. I want you to know that Jesus gave his life for you as he breathed his last breath on the cross. And just as the curtain of the temple was sprinkled by the blood of the sacrifice to cleanse the sins of the Israelites. Our hearts, my heart and your heart, have been sprinkled clean by the blood that stained the cross. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, our bodies have been washed clean. At the beginning of our time together, I asked you to take a moment to remember and we'll end with this. Marty and the band wants to come up. How do you remember this evening? How do you remember what Jesus has accomplished for you on the cross? So personally, um, I, I, I found it amazing today to, to listen and to read what, what others have shared as their personal reflection on Good Friday, right? What, is it, what does it mean to them? How do they reflect on this moment? For me personally, after um, preparing for this message and going through the study, I see that it's, it's my sin, sin that stained the curtain. It's because of my sin that the nails were dr- driven into Jesus' body. God had every right to be angry with me and to choose wrath. But he took my wrath upon himself. He took our wrath upon himself. And he chose to forgive me. And and I'm saved by his grace, his grace alone. Those who trust in Jesus Christ as Savior are also united through him as God's children. And I'm overjoyed to be adopted into his family with all the saints, with you guys. So I just want you guys to, to know that, that you're blessed this evening. And Sunday is coming. I thank you guys. I love you all so much. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.